SoWin TV presents. SoWin TV presents. Faith and hope with sweet tea and sass, encouraging couples to reconnect with God and with each other, so they can live their happily ever after too. Everyone, welcome back to Sweet Tea and Sass, bringing you faith and hope. In our next, in this episode, we're going to be talking to Miss Sass here, and we're going to be getting her backstory. In our last episode, you heard about my backstory up until a certain time in my life, and now we're going to be talking to Miss Sass and what her life was like as a youngster. So. I'm going to be asking you some questions. Answer the questions as you deem fit. Buckle up, Buttercup, because it's going to get rocky. Right. <laughs> okay. We'll see what happens here. All right. Now, first question. Tell us where you are from originally. Originally, I am from the backwoods and the bayous of Louisiana. I grew up with cowboy boots on my feet and a shotgun in my hand. I'm from Willow Bow, Louisiana. I was born in Delhi because that was the closest hospital that they rushed my mother to when they thought she was having an appendicitis. They rushed her to the back and the doctor came out and said, it's a girl. I'm not the prettiest appendicitis you ever did see. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> but True that's, story. That's, that's another story. True story. So. You're from Willow Bow, mm -hmm. which is on the Mississippi River. And it's close, close to the Mississippi River. Yeah, it's on some tributaries from the Mississippi River, but closest. Uh, basically right across the river from Vicksburg, uh, Mississippi. Mm -hmm. So that kind of gives you an area of Louisiana where she's from over in the northwest corner or northeast corner of Louisiana. Yep. That's so, home. Little small farming community. So what was life like in your early years? Well, based on a true story, because I don't remember, but I'll tell you what I was told. Um, at least, you know, I try to piece the different stories I was told together. Um, I That's was, all we can ever do. But yeah, well, you know, the stories in my family. I was born in 1965. And a lot of people are like, oh, don't tell your age. And so are you kidding me? I'm happy God left me here this long. I don't care if you know how old I am. I'm just happy I'm here. So um, I was born to a single mom and in 1965 in rural Louisiana with a very proud father. You do not come home with a baby that you didn't have a husband for first. So when, like I said, my mother was home from college, uh, secretarial college in Jackson, Mississippi for Christmas. And she um, started having horrible pain. They rushed her to the hospital, and surprise, surprise, I am. December 28th, I missed Christmas, but I made it in time for the taxes. My grandfather immediately arranged for my adoption, and my grandmother and my mother began to pray for me to be able to stay with the family and not give me up for adoption, and God worked that out, and I was able to go home with them. 
Um, I was raised as my grandparents' child, my grandmother and my grandfather in the house with my mother and my aunt and her and my grand and my two younger and their two younger siblings as my brothers and sisters. I call my, them sisters and brothers and I called my grandparents mom and dad and I didn't know any different. That was my life for the first five years. And um, I was just as happy as a lark running around on the farm and barefoot and shorts and t-shirts and being doted on by all the older people in my life. And I just had it good, I thought. And when I was five, my grandfather had a massive heart attack and passed away. And I, I don't remember vivid memories of it, but I do remember being at a friend's house while my family was at the funeral and feeling horribly guilty because I was running around having a good time and my family was so sad and I didn't understand why. And uh, the next thing that happened was my biological mother ran off, eloped and married a guy that she had met at work and um, came back and took me and took me across the state and didn't really explain anything to me except for I'm your mother, he's your father and no more questions. That was rough. Um, yeah, well, that wasn't as rough as it got, but that was the beginning of rough. And, um, so, you know, different house, different people, different bed. I'd never even been out of the care of my grandmother. And, um, then the, you know, that was over the weekend and the next, next Monday, my, um, now mother, who was my sister up until then took me to daycare and dropped me off and went to work. And I was in this big daycare in this big city that I didn't know anybody. And I just sat in the lunchroom at the tables and cried all day. And the sweet little ladies that would come out of the lunchroom, out of the lunch kitchen, and they'd sit beside me and they'd try to comfort me and they'd say, it's going to be okay. And I'd say, I want my mama. And they'd say, oh, she'll be back in a little while. And they just didn't understand that I was talking about my grandma, who I called mom. And that, um, and that I wasn't talking about my, my, who they thought was my mother, but, you know, after a couple of weeks of crying, I settled down and decided to join in and toughen up and get on with life. And that's what I did. And I, um, but my desire was always to be back on the farm. I loved the farm. And when Sweet T said last week that he always wanted a hometown, well, the farm was my home and that was my safe place. That was my, my grandmother was my rock and um, that's where I wanted to be. So when I developed chicken pox that, that year, not long after being put in daycare and my biological mother had to call my grandma and say, can you keep her because we can't take off work? My grandmother said, of course, because she couldn't wait to get me back and I couldn't wait to go back. And I was happy as a clam back in, back at home with chicken box and any other time that I can remember up until I was about 10 or 11, if I was sick or um, out of school or just an inconvenience, I was sent back to my grandmother's to, um, to stay so that they could work and do what they wanted to do, which was fine by me because that's where I wanted to be in the first place. And I get my sass. 
straight from that woman, straight from my grandmother. That's true. And if I can be one-tenth of the woman she was, I have succeeded in this life. I think you've succeeded. <laughs> um, now, you've told us about your childhood and how rough it was. Tell us a little bit about your teen years. Oh, oh you want to skip that stuff in the middle, huh? Well, you you got to age 10, so we're rolling into your teen years. Well, do you need a tissue? No. Let are, me Are you sure? I'm positive. Okay. Let me uh let me just tell you that um there's a lot of stuff more stuff in there um that I don't really want to unpack on the podcast today, but I have a book out it's called Beauty Rising from Brokenness, Journey Through Childhood Trauma um and and Chronic Illness and Into Healing. And um, it's available on Amazon. If you want to get the rest of that, that backstory, um, that's where you can find that book. And you can also find it when I'm speaking. I always have a, I always have copies of it with me at my table. So if you're interested, that's where it's at. Just a little, you know, just consider that a little commercial in the middle there that, you know, um, there's a, a lot more to that story in there. So my teen years. So, um, I came out of my um, preteens um, pretty angry, pretty rebellious, very rebellious. Very. I had a uh, a half sister that was born when I was nine and a half brother that was born when I was 13. And I started keeping them babysitting. I say babysitting, but... If we were out of school, instead of being sent to my grandmother's, I was in charge of keeping them. So I was, you know, I, I kept my, my brother when I was 13 years old, from the time he was two weeks old, my mom went back to work and I started um, keeping him and I kept him. And, uh, you know, so a 13 year old with a two week old and a four year old. So I had to grow up fast and I had to become a mom a mom substitute at least, but pretty much a mom, very young. And uh, I, I missed out on a lot of my teen years. So um, on the weekends when they were home and off work, I was allowed to have the uh, free the, time. The, yeah, free time. I was allowed to have the car on Friday and Saturday nights to go out with my friends. I had my license at 15. And because um, back in Louisiana in those days, you could have your license at 15. And so um, I would, I, I had, to, we had to clean house all day on Saturday. So we could go out on Friday night, clean house all day on Saturday, go out on Saturday night. So that was pretty much my routine. So as you might imagine, as an angry, <laughs> rebellious teenager who was a mother five days a week and a housekeeper on Saturday, well, and the cook and the chief bottle washer during the week as well. I uh, I was well, sowing me, some wild oats <laughs> Friday and Saturday nights. Let me interject here. Even though she was a teen mom, well, substituting for her mom. Yeah, I was. I wasn't my kid. Don't get that right. wrong. You, they weren't your kids, but she was still holding a 4.0 in high school in all of her classes. So this just goes to show how hardworking and dedicated she is to what she wants oh, and stop. where she wants. Wants to go. Oh, stop. So, yeah. Where did I want to go? I wanted out. So that's another story. <laughs> anyway. I wanted out and I was looking for my and my way out. I wanted out. 
So yes, I did have good grades in school because I excelled in school and I, I love people. I love learning. I still love learning. I still enroll in classes all the time. All the time. I'm, I'm always in class. She's always in. He knows because he ha- he pays for them, but whatever. She's always doing something, learning something. I, I just. Which is fine. I like to learn. And um, I've always liked to learn. I loved school. I loved school because of the people. I loved my teachers. I had very rarely had a teacher that I didn't like or that didn't like me. Um, and I, I excelled in school. And I still excel in classes. So I, I loved it. It was just. It's just was somewhere I could go that I could get the positive reinforcement that I needed and that I could prove myself for who I was outside of having to be some, be somebody's sister or somebody's um, chief cook and bottle washer. True. So I spent my, most of my teen years, Raising my brother and sister um, when my mother and stepdad were at work. Um, avoiding my stepdad's fits of anger and um, and uh, um, physical abusive tendencies if he flew off the handle. And um, there was no way to avoid the verbal and emotional abuse. Um, except for to shut myself in my room, which I did often. And unlike Sweet Tea... I loved my books. I love studying. So if I wasn't studying something, I was reading something and tried to stay in my room and out of the chaos as much as possible because it was constant chaos. And then yes. chaos, I, chaos is, an, is a chaos, chaos is a kind is, is a kind word to describe the household. Which now you understand why I'm the way I am. And so on Friday and Saturday nights, I was looking to escape. So I was trying whatever it took to get out and escape. Drugs, alcohol, running around. I didn't do too much running around with boys because I knew the circumstances of my birth. And I refused to do that to myself or to another child because the fact of not having a father, not having my biological father in my life and not even knowing his name because my mother would not even tell me his name. And anytime that I would ask a question about him, who he was, what he did, where he was, where she met him, any, anything, I just wanted any tidbit of information about him. Um, she would she wouldn't tell me anything. She would just fly off the handle and just go absolutely crazy. So I just got to a point I quit asking. And she she told me one time when I was 18, if I still wanted to know, she would tell me. But that was a lie because she didn't because I still wanted to know. And I, I think that would be anybody's human nature to want to know. But I um so I, you know, I knew the circumstances that would put me in that situation and my child in that situation. And I wasn't going there. So I just didn't, but I did do some serious drinking and some serious marijuana and some serious driving, uh, in the car under the, and, and I tell you what, the reason, and I know this for a fact, the reason I sit in this chair today alive and well is because of a praying grandmother. 
And now I'm a grandmother and I'm telling you people, everybody listening in my within my, my earshot, pray for your children and your grandchildren. Even if it looks like you're not getting through, even if it looks like it's not working because you don't know what they're doing and what they're going through that you're praying will, will God will intervene because there's so many times I should not have made it home. And I did. So that was my teen years. Seemed to be rough. Seemed to be chaotic. It was unless I was home on the farm. Yeah. Which once I got a car and my license and, you know, it wasn't my car. It was my parents' car, but I was allowed to use it. Um, <clears throat> during the summer, I'd load up my brother and sister and we'd go home to grandma's for his, for a week, weeks, months, as long as they'd let me stay. I'd go because I, that's just where I wanted to be. Right. That was home. That was safety. That okay. was comfort. That was a big fuzzy blanket wrapped around me. Okay. So with that being said, we know home to you was the farm. Yes. So what is your favorite memory as a child growing up? Oh gosh, my favorite memory. It's so hard to think of a favorite memory when you have so many ones that aren't so great. Um, <clears throat> I think um, my favorite one. my favorite memory is, and and believe it or not, it's, it's my whole family. My mom and my stepdad and my um, sister, my half sister, and my grandmother decided to all go on a vacation up to northern Arkansas to Dog Patch USA when they used to have Dog Patch USA, and we all took a car trip up there, which would seem like it would be a nightmare. But my stepfather was pretty much on good behavior when my grandma was around. And I had so much fun with her. Key point. When grandma's around, you behave. And when grandma's around, you be on your best behavior. At least my grandma. My grandma, you know, she 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 was as sweet as she could be, but she could put the fear of God in you too. So you I'll know, vouch for that. <laughs> so you just you just straightened up. And we had the best, but we just joked and laughed and, and giggled and had a great time and went to the park and she bought me this goofy little hat that our little son still wore when he was five or six. He wore it upside down and backwards, but it just warmed my heart and we, we stayed in hotels and me and her would share a bed. And so I would get to snuggle up close to her and be comfortable. And I think I was like probably... 13, 14 years old, but that was such a sweet memory of that whole week that we went away and we went, we got to actually have a real vacation. The only one I ever had as a kid. And it was, it was just so much fun. Sounds like that was a memory to have memory to cherish and to hold on to. So what is your least favorite memory growing up? And I know there's a bunch of them that you've Tried to hide and buried oh, down deep. I hit him pretty well for a long time. Yeah, you did. You know, it's that beach ball that you hold under the water. Yeah, I know. And you but hold it, you hold it, and just, you don't let anybody see it. Just, and then one day you get tired and it pops to the surface. Just yeah. just give me one without maybe got going into so many details. Um, You know, I am, I am into I details. You, I know you're into details. And I know you're a guy and you're NID, not into details. True. <laughs> Um, least favorite memory would be when we lived in Atlanta, Georgia, my stepdad got a 
job in Atlanta, Georgia, um, when I was about nine, ten years old. Um, my half sister was born there, and um, my stepbrothers moved in, and there was all kinds of fighting and screaming and almost to the point of physical fights between him and my stepbrothers. I think there probably were some physical fights between them. There was abuse that took place between them and me. And um, it was just a very chaotic time. And I was way far away from home. That was the worst part. Grandma was just a couple hours she wasn't. You know, she wasn't a couple hours away. So um, I couldn't run to safety. And I, I felt so far away and so alone. How long were y'all in Atlanta? Probably around a year. Not very not not very long. But in the life of a child, a year is a long time. A year away from home is an eternity. Yeah. And like I stated in my episode or my session last week was I didn't have home I mean <laughs> mom and dad were there but you know I didn't have a hometown so I don't know whether it's so better or worse a whole life away from home because you don't know what you're missing or a year away from home when you know what you're missing right so I think knowing what you're missing is worse I think so too so that is this week's episode for faith and hope with sweet tea and sass. Let me give you a little tip. It gets better from here. It gets interesting from here. Oh, it gets really interesting from here, but it gets better. So this is just some background from, from myself last episode and from her this episode. And we just want you to know a little bit about who we are and where we come from and what drives this train down the track. And that we took my mess and, and my mess. mess actually God took my mess and his mess. Yes. And he put us together and we had one big mess, but with God in the midst of that mess, he's made that mess last 38 years of happily ever after. Yes. So regardless of whatever your mess is, he can take it and he can turn it into happily ever after. So don't lose hope. That's why it's called hope and faith. Because if you have faith, then there's hope. Yes. For happily ever after. We'll see y'all next week. Bye, y'all. Do you wonder, how did it get to be like this? How did we get so disconnected? Where did the joy, laughter, and cuddles go? Does any of this sound familiar? Well change is possible. Your marriage can thrive. Let us partner with you to restore the foundations of your family, where every family member feels loved, accepted, and valued. It's time for a new way. Time to see your marriage transformed into a relationship of peace, respect, and a joint purpose. Doesn't that sound amazing? Go to www.theclammingroup.com now for more information and to sign up for your free 30-minute marriage design consultation. Are you feeling broken or lost? 
Are you struggling to find a community of like-minded women? Come join us on SoulWin, Shining Our Light Women's Inspiration Network. SoulWin women have come out victoriously from their dark places and now use their God-given gifts to shine their light to the whole world. Get your free 30-day trial today. Go to www.soulwin.tv to subscribe now. Are you feeling broken or lost? Are you struggling to find a community of like-minded women? Come join us on SoulWin, Shining Our Light Women's Inspiration Network. SoulWin women have come out victoriously from their dark places and now use their God-given gifts to shine their light to the whole world. Get your free 30-day trial today. Go to www.soulwin.tv to subscribe now.